Okay. So, okay, this is the weirdest podcast we've done. Yep. Um, this weird, we are going to talk about a movie that Nick brought up out of nowhere yesterday. He said, let's watch this movie and talk about it. Um, this is a movie called uh, uh, Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a review. This is not a cinema gush. This is because neither of us had seen it. So this is a 2020 film starring um, your boy. A lot of people, a lot of people. So Nick, why are we watching Jujitsu? So you guys know that a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that I had been doing some research for an idea that I have for a flick, and I tried to be cognizant of when I think I have a good idea because, well, let me put it to you this way. I think I know I have a good idea when that idea doesn't go away. Like when it when it when it keeps bugging me and when I keep thinking of ideas for it, that to me is uh that that's the sign of a good idea. So I had this great meeting and uh I have told maybe three or four people about this idea and uh You told me about this I think when you first had it. I've known about this for right. a long time. And so what I my first reaction always is, Well this surely exists and so I told you, I told Seth, I told my cousins, I told, uh, and I, I pitched it, and and uh, the recommendations I got were okay. Well, ch- let's check out these movies because we see that this logline exists, kind of, kind of exists in the past. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's check out a couple different films. The people you're pitching to, said correct, this. yeah. And then I also yeah. heard it from one other person because um, it's it's in a it's in a, a genre I know nothing about, which is uh, mixed martial arts, and um, I mean I know the Dragon Ball Z limit, I suppose, but. Um, I needed to do some research. And so I have this list of movies. I try to get at least five to 10 movies or books that I read and then take notes and write summaries and things I walked away with. And so this was the third one. Men in Black was the one I mentioned months ago for the record. Um, and this was the third movie in my list of, okay, well, somebody said this idea sounds a lot like this movie that just came out with Nick Cage. And I was like, crap, I better watch it. See how close it is. <laughs> To my and to my happy surprise, it's nothing like the, my idea. Thankfully, <laughs> there might be one bit because it involves aliens, but that doesn't give away anything. Um, but the way it was pitched to me sounded a lot like my idea, so I was like, "Okay, I better watch this movie." Um, and that's how this kind of came to be. Is I was like, "All right, Jujitsu. It's on Netflix. It's starring Nick Cage. Uh, it has a solid two point six on IMDb, I think." Um, Seems right. And my my thought for this podcast was not not to rip it, not to rail over it, because when I finished this movie, I understood kind of what they weren't going for, and then I kind of liked a good chunk of it, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but then I wanted to watch another movie that was like that, just to, to kind of wash it down with, and that was Kung Pao of the Fist, which is a top fifty film for me. <laughs> um, which I, I watched some of that. Which I watched just again be, today yep. and just laughed my ass off. Go ahead. No, no. Okay, so here's the thing. I watched this movie last night, and I paid good attention to it. And so here I am today, and I can tell you, having stewed on it for a day, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> oh, boy. This is going to be great. Because, like, so uh, this movie, I'll, we'll talk a little bit about the movie, and then I'll, t- I'll tell you about the visceral reaction that it gave me in a, in a positive way. Because there's a lot of negative stuff to say about this film. Uh the intro is way too drawn out. The acting is very subpar. Um, it's sci-fi original movie acting. The cinematography does not know what it wants to do. And yes, we that too clever. I looked at my wife and I said, "This movie is too clever by a half. It's doing things that thinks look cool, but it has no idea why." Correct, correct. So this was this would be a uh, 
it would be considered what who called this? I think it was Red Letter Media. They said it's a dumped on Netflix kind of film. It did have somewhat a theatrical release, but it bombed at the box office, making only one hundred ninety nine thousand uh, dollars. And I found out the budget was twenty five million dollars. Whoa! Yeah, whoa is so, most correct. I think one of the things I thought while watching this movie, though, and and this is the we have to address the main pull of the movie, who the character they show the most in the trailer. I really enjoy the years that Nicolas Cage is in debt. Mm-hmm. Because he will take <laughs> anything. Yes. But, I mean, this is the same, like, I think, and I have to check the timeline here, I think he did this and then immediately did Pig. Did Pig? Yeah, which is kind of odd because I know that that is his number one Rotten Tomato film audience and critics alike. I thought it was his best performance that I've seen. Now, right. there's a lot of holes in my Nick Cage filmography, but... Right. Um, so I know we're not going too much into the plot, but if you love lines like, that's my favorite chair, I knew you'd find it comfortable, or <laughs> get off my piano, then you're in for a wild ride. So the movie, so again. and I'll t- I No, he's I'll- saying this while he's trying to kill a man. Yes, he is. And I'll, g- I'll give one more thing before we go into the plot of this film. Uh, this movie has Tony Jaa in the credits. If you don't know who Tony Jaa is, he's a, a Thai actor who is kind of like the Thai version of Jackie Chan. His stunts are insane. Right. His martial arts training is amazing. Ong Bak, um, right? Yes, Ong Bak, thank you. And he's done so many super wicked cool, excellent martial arts movies. His three-minute beat-the-hell-out-of-guy sequence while going up a tower is very famous and very well-known. So seeing him in the in the credits got me pumped up because I'm like, holy crap, it's Tony Jaa. I didn't know he was still doing stuff. Um, so that, those two things, Nick Cage, Jet Li, I, I don't know who the main guy is. His name's not worth going into. His name is just Jake for the thing. Frank Grillo's in there and the side character too. I mean, yeah. So, so my, movie, the point yeah. of the movie where I decided I love it is the point where Tony Jaa is beating up somebody with a police baton. Yeah. So the police baton is made out of PVC pipe that has been spray painted <laughs> silver. Yes. Oh my god. This gosh. is the movie. And I know that that's an actual martial arts weapon, but they didn't go go do a necessarily great job of explaining what they were or whatever. Because the one dude had wait, like, wait, what do you mean it's a martial arts weapon? Like so, the but it's called something specific in right. But his was PVC pipe. Am I wrong? Because I I was pretty sure it was plastically spray painted in silver. I'm oh, pretty man. darn sure, man. Okay, if you are sure, we'll go with it. But for twenty five million dollars, I th- I would think it'd be the real thing. I don't know where all the money went if this was truly a twenty five million dollar film. I, to, yeah. I don't know. Well, that's all Well, to say, it probably but, went to really bad blood splurts. Oh, my gosh. There was one scene where, like, blood was pooling on the ground for a character, and it was, like, the worst CGI blood spill I've ever seen. Like, it was, like, hovering above the ground. Oh, good Lord. So the yeah. movie is yeah. the movie yeah. is Jiu-Jitsu. It came out last year. It is on Netflix, and you can watch it now. So we'll start with that. The movie is about, well... It's, it's a weird log line. Every six years, this comet goes by Earth, and this alien will fight like these six legendary warriors, and if he beats them all, the Earth is his. For some reason, that is never explained. Wait, wait, I thought it was if he beats them all, he lets Earth be. I thought he had to... W- oh, my gosh. See, this is a great point. The movie... <laughs> does such a poor job of explaining things for you to understand things. It jumps around so much. It's I, I, that's it, how I understood it. I, I thought that the reason the earth was doomed is because the spoilers guys, 
Spoiler. The main character ran away from him at the beginning, so he didn't die nobly, so now the Earth is in trouble because he'll kill us all. That's... Basically, it's an excuse to make Predator in 2020 with no budget. The, the logline that I saw years ago was this. Every six years, an ancient order of jujitsu fighters joins forces to battle a vicious race of alien invaders. And it's, I, I emphasize that. We'll get to that later. But when a celebrated war hero goes down in defeat, the fate of the planet and mankind hangs in the balance. So that's the logline that I knew and understood. And I was like, okay, that's that sounds interesting. Let's check it out. So first of all, with that logline, it should just be a vicious race of alien invader. It's one dude, right? Is that correct? Yeah, there's only one, yeah. Right, but it's not. So he's called Brax, but it's not the species of Brax. It's just one guy, right? Right, right, yeah. Right, so already bad start. Let's begin with that. So we have this kind of motion comic opening sequence that kind of like fades in and out and has transparent views of like scenes that are coming down in the movie that have no context to what you're looking at. And then the movie just kind of gets going. Now, before all that, there was this guy running in the, in the woods with like Ninja stars kind of missing him very obviously CGI put in and then he gets hit and he jumps into the ocean. And then we have this opening sequence. Um, from there, we go to this village. He gets all patched up and stuff. And then these villagers who don't know what to do with him, they dump him off at a military base. Already, you're like, what the hell's going on? Which is With a- the worst interpreter ever. Right. It's like B-movie schlock. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The schlock. These opening sequences went on for so long, and I just didn't understand why. Like, the edits were left in very long. I almost feel intentionally to make actors look like they were worse actors than they actually were. Specifically, yep, I so. uh, Myra, I think was her name, which is trying to interrogate him. And then you find out our main guy has dun, 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 amnesia. There are these weird long pauses after lines that don't make any sense. And lo- it looks like they're waiting for the director to call cut. And they decided to keep that long wait in. Yeah, the, the pacing was just so off. But so Tony Jaa comes along. And they kind of went for the, with the cinematography, they kind of went for this hardcore Henry thing. The first person perspective. Yep. Correct. Of the main they character. they kept kind of jumping in and out of it and it wasn't so, super fluid. So I'm like, they here's don't know the what deal. They want to do here. Yeah. This is this. I, okay. So, okay. I wanted to talk about that. So basically we watched Tony job ja break job ja break in to free the guy and mm-hmm. then we watched them fight out to get away from things. Right. Right. And, the cinematography is the same, both breaking in when the main character is not with Tony and breaking out when he is with Tony, except in the second half, it's supposed to be first person perspective. So oh. I'm part, part of me is even wondering is if they split that into two scenes, if both scenes were filmed to be first person perspective and they just took out some of it from the first half. Cause it's filmed the exact same way, except it's first person in the second part. It's not a handheld. It, Basically, the f- breaking in, it's a handheld camera f- chasing after Tony. Right. Breaking out, it's a handheld camera from the perspective of the main character. And it doesn't look any different other than the fact that you see fists flying out from underneath the camera. Yeah. <laughs> and then occasionally it comes out of his head. It's uh, It almost felt like his eyeballs fell on the floor so he could fight somebody over there. And then he picks his eyeballs back up and then it's first person again. Mm-hmm. Oh, what the hell? I, I know, know that you're all know. hearing this, but he's not a mutant. Like, just to be clear, folks, he's not a mutant. Like, that's – it was so strange. It was such a strange sequence, but – Tony Jaa, as a martial artist, is amazing. And so uh, 
more than half of that fight sequence was just like, okay, this is cool fight sequences. And that's when I kind of got my first flashback to what I thought they weren't trying to go for, but they went for anyway, which again, I'll get to the end, but so well, Tony, yeah, I, go ahead. I won't criticize anybody's martial arts. The people doing the martial arts knew what they were doing. The people trying to put it on film did not know what they were doing. Yes. I think that's very fair to say. <laughs> um, and so what's weird is, you know, he and, and Jake, they get away and there's some very awful like after effects explosions uh like very not well done uh, and they get away and then they meet up with these other warriors by like some sort of wheat field but then like i think was it the military that fought them there and then recaptured him or was that somebody else like yes yeah but they clearly were casting a bunch of local martial artists yeah to play americans so they had to cover their faces up because it was filmed in in burma that's correct yep yep so the the a lot of the Americans were clearly local martial artists pretending to be American, um, but yeah. So he escapes and they capture him, and then he, I I can't remember how he gets away again. Does he escape a third time, a second time? So he gets uh, recaptured, and he and Myra then leave. Which I wrote in my notes. I wrote down random. I know. And then there was something about <laughs> nuclear weapons in the jungle uh, with Myra talking about that. Gosh, I, that I think they lost that bit. plot line. Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Because what happens next was an alien shows up, and it's this guy named Brax, and he's got, you know... Um, like, they do the exact same shots as Predator to make him show up. I mean, oh. heat vision, zooms, yeah. Yep. And he has this ability where if he gets slashed by, like, a knife or shot or something, like, he opens up, but then his body, like, kind of resurrects and closes his wounds and things like that. And that's, like, at the 40-minute mark. So at this point, still kind of don't know what's going on. And then uh, they get away, and then Nick Cage shows up. And we meet him. He's like a swordsman slash newspaper hat builder. And this guy's fighting him. And that's when he says, like, the, the, you know, well, my piano and all that stuff. We should be clear. He's fighting a stunt double because you can tell uh, when <laughs> Nick Cage is in the shot because he's got a doughy body like me. But when the stunt double's in the shot... He is ripped as hell. Yes. It'll change from long to close angle. It kind of reminded me of that Simpsons clip, which we'll get to at the end of this season, uh, where Troy McClure's riding on the bear as Jebediah Springfield, and they kept cutting back and forth to him. Yes. Riding his I will put this in the show notes in case you folks don't know what sequence I'm talking about. It felt a lot like that. Um, <coughs> so then he kind of mentions this thing in the temple about a comet flying over the earth every six years and opens this portal, and this Brax guy comes through, and Jake was given the gift of jujitsu which doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, but if Jake doesn't defeat uh, this Brax guy, Brax will take over the world that, yeah. and kill everyone. See, I read it. I thought it was the other way around. It was if you didn't fight honorably and die, that he would kill everyone. Like if you fight honorably and die, then he'll just leave. And the point is that it is this unclear. We both watched the movie, but we both came away with different understandings of what the plot is. I guess my thought is, is if this thing's been winning every time, why didn't it take it over in the past? But here's the deal. If it was what I thought it was, then the stakes are so unbelievably low. Yeah. It's like these guys just got to go in the jungle and either do well or do really terribly and everything's fine. Right. And it's like the joke I always say when you're pitching a script, and this is just for all the writers that listen to this show, you're always saving the world. End of story. If you want Warner Brothers or Dimension or 21st Century Fox or Disney to buy your spec, you better be saving the world. Every time. Every time. And then the sequel will be saving the universe. That's usually how it goes. 
So that was this movie is he's got to save the world by, as you said, having this. One of the two ways he has to do it. Who knows how, but. Right. And then the next thing you know, they're in a forest and then Brax comes back and he fights these two fighters and then he leaves again. And then around the campfire, uh, Nick Cage gives us some more backstory, how Jake flinched against Brax and much like he did when I was fighting him. And now it's time for another showdown on the way. Oh, but you know what? That breaks my thought on how the thing works. What do you mean? Because if Nick Cage was a coward, he should have killed the world. So, so no matter if right. it, if it works your way, it doesn't make sense. And if it works my way, it doesn't make <laughs> sense. And, and together, we have an incompetent film. <laughs> Which I know this is a gush, and, and we'll get, I'll get to the happy stuff towards the end. Because there is positivity here, and I'll, I'll get to that. Um, and so this team goes to this temple. I, I don't remember what the, the phrase was, like, mountain of temples or something. And Brax comes back again, and he fights the girls, and this knife-throwing guy, and he beats them, and... Tony Jaw, he tries his best with, as Brennan said, the PVC pipes, but he fails. And then Nick Well, Cage, the PVC pipe was fighting the U.S. military disguise. People, but he also but fights it with Brax, actually, right before. Does he? he? Yeah, he does. He has them out again. I was probably zoned out. And when by you that texted point. me, you're like, is that PVC pipe? <laughs> like, that's where I was, was in the movie. And so at that point, um, and just, you know, full, full disclosure here, it was, this was 10 o'clock at night. I'm starting to fall asleep. They're talking. They're having this conversation around the campfire. I'm like, oh man, I I, I can't keep these plots together. I better just resume this in the morning. So I got up at five fifteen this morning, an hour and forty five minutes before work, so I could finish this movie. And I rewound all the sequences. I was like, oh no, I wasn't tired. The movie just doesn't know what's going on either. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense either. Um, and so in my notes here, I wrote, Nick Cage is a showdown with Brax, but that too goes awry. I don't actually know if his goal is awry. I am writing this before the scene ends. Let me see if I am correct. And then I wrote, yes, he gets his throat slit and he dies. And then I wrote, OMG, we learned from another character that somehow the, Nick Cage was the main guy's father and we feel nothing. Because we don't know who the main guy is and he doesn't know who Wait, he is. Wait, hold on. Hold on. What? I must have looked down for 30 seconds. I didn't catch that scene. So Nick Cage gets his throat slit, and then he's with that, the one girl who has recovered. He's the main character's father? Yes. You didn't what, know that? She even what says that line. No, I know. I must not have I must have zoned out for a minute. <laughs> it well, it's it's such a fast, quick thing, and again, we feel nothing because we don't know Jake. He still has amnesia. He's called the rabbit, and he's supposed to have this plan, and they're just like, You forgot what the plan is, but they won't tell him what the plan is, as if a little bit of exposition would have hurt this film somehow. Um and then he has I mean, there's like a kind of a sequence where like the, the alien Brax, his weakness is fire, but you kinda don't think about it too much because if grenades and and shotgun shells and knives and sword wounds aren't killing him, like the fact that firewood is right. not yeah. right. Who cares? So, uh, with, you know, this comes out of nowhere and we feel nothing. So the Brax tracks them down while they're licking all their wounds, but they get away. And now all of a sudden we're at this temple and Brax and the main guy, Jake have a showdown. It ends with the guy shoving a grenade into Brax's open wound before it seals and then kicking him through the portal. So I gave this movie two out of 10, one point for Tony Jaa and one point for Nick Cage. So yeah. that was the movie, and I really didn't miss too much. I think you, your review is about what I'd give it. Yeah, it gets a, it gets a point for Nick Cage committing, as if Nick Cage has ever not committed. Um, right. And it, uh, you know, I'll, I, I don't know Tony Jaa, so I'll give it a point for it's uh, at least trying something interesting with the scene transitions looking like a comic book. That's, that's its second yeah. point for me. I can give it that. And so so that was a lot of crapping on this film, which we don't tend to do too often on this show. Review. But I did write it's down okay. two out of ten. 
Yeah, 2 out of 10, this movie was a blast and has potential for shitty cult classics like The Room and Birdemic. So I left it at that in my review. Now, going back to what I said earlier, with the cool fight sequence where Tony Jaa first shows us to rescue this Jake guy, I understood what this movie wasn't trying to do. Now, let me explain. Every boy, I feel, and I have to emphasize, I feel, because it's my opinion here, I feel like every boy goes through a martial arts phase. Absolutely, yeah. My martial arts phase was when I moved uh, to Phoenix from Chicago uh, in the late 90s. So this is about 97. And I started taking taekwondo, and it was... I'm going to out myself here. It was super cool to pirate movies back then because you couldn't possibly get in trouble. And I was watching movies like Twin Warriors, which is a Jet Li film, uh, Iron Monkey, and Enter the Dragon, and uh, binge-watching all of Dragon Ball Z and a bit of Yu Yu Hakusho and other anime. And um, there was this movie I saw called Shinobi, which is worth looking up. I think it still holds up. It was kind of like an X-Men martial arts thing. It's based off a Japanese novel. Anyway, um, this movie during those Tony Jaa fight sequences, fight sequences resurrected eighth grade <laughs> Nick, where I was just looking for the next martial arts film, the next fight sequences. I even have, in my, we talked about this a little bit in the physical copy episode. I have this DVD. Uh, it's called Ultimate Fights. And I got it at uh, Best Buy for $2.99 in the year uh, 2002. And what it is is a compilation. This is before YouTube. I think three years before YouTube. And where you couldn't really find videos online, except for, you know, pirating on Kazaa. Don't want to go into that. But this movie is called Ultimate Fights from the Movies. And it's just a DVD of, like, 16 or 20 movies, like Fists of Legends, Crossing the Line, Rumble in the Bronx, Scarface, Snatch, um, uh, Gladiator, and a couple other ones. And all They Live is one of them. Legend of the Drunken Master, which is an awesome, awesome old Jackie Chan movie. Uh, Fists of Legends, Black Mask, which is all Jet Li. And Time Cop was in there as well. So I grew up watching these scenes, just these awesome, badass fight choreographed scenes, and just thinking they were the coolest thing ever, and I want to do martial arts too and all that stuff. If I was in eighth grade and I was hunting down every martial arts film that I could find, which is what I was doing back then, I would have loved this movie (laughs) because I know for a fact that a lot of those martial arts movies that I went crazy for in middle school, their plots probably don't make that much sense. And they probably don't have all the continuity that now I I like hunt for whenever I'm watching a movie now. So for eighth graders, this is your movie for eighth grade boys. You're going to love this film. Seriously, seriously fun. uh, Well cop, well choreographed fights that are, are kind of really cool with a uh, awesome steady cam, like eighth grade, me- eighth grade boys. This is your film. And that that's my positive. I, I said the same thing too. I, I said, this is the kind of movie we would watch at sleepovers eighth and ninth grade. And I think it was awesome. The, the, the caveat there yeah. is we'd have been wrong, but we'd have thought it was awesome. <laughs> Well, that is the caveat, and this, like I said, for eighth grade boys who they're having a sleepover with popcorn and red vine, and they watch the movie, and then they're all done, and they turn out the, they turn the lights on in the backyard so you can do the scenes on the trampoline, and then like make little tables out of styrofoam and throw your friends through them, and which is all stuff that I absolutely did. So for eighth grade boys, we have a movie for you. It's called Jujitsu, and you should watch it on Netflix <laughs> if you've made it this far. And for the girls that get into martial arts too, there's some pretty awesome girl characters in this movie. Do I know any of their names? No. Their motivations? No. I guess one of them liked the main character. Not clear because the amnesia storyline. But enjoy. One of them was very serious about national security. I'm not sure why, how, and when, but very serious about national security. By the way, does the U.S. have military in Burma? 
probably. Bird was having political maybe. strife, isn't it? Um, I bet you. Well, I was about to say that's probably how they save money was shooting it over there, but it says we do have uh, U.S. relations with Burma, and we've been there since '89, I think. Is that right? But a military presence. Uh, is there a military base in Burma? Is an actual Google question. Yes, Nampong okay. Air Force Base is a Myanmar Air well, Force Base in Burma. What they were having there was definitely not an Air Force Base. No, no, no. All right, no. all right. I stand corrected. There are at least somebody wearing U.S. uniforms in Burma. Yeah, and so to the wash down you know. jiu, the, yeah, <laughs> do, 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 do. to wash down jujitsu, I put on again a top fifty film for me: Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Yes. Which I saw in theaters. You saw it in myself, theaters? By myself as a sophomore in high school. I went after school. Um, and yeah, I went with nobody. And I just died laughing because the dubbing was intentionally made bad. Steve Odenkirk knew exactly what he was doing. We need to say, oh, let's tease what this movie is. Sure. This is Steve Odenkirk of the Thumb Wars fame. The Thumb movies. Ventura, yeah. Yeah, who basically spliced two or three old kung fu movies together, green screened himself into them, and made a through line of a plot through multiple movies that is wacky nonsense in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. I, I rented this one Christmas break and watched it with my brother and we laughed so hard it hurt us and my sister got home from doing something and we watched it a third a second time and laughed so hard <laughs> it hurt us. Yes, it's so good. I mean, even just I was watching a bit of it during dinner time and like Mushu Fasa shows up, which <laughs> I believe is actually James Earl Joy's, James Earl Jones's voice when he goes, this is CNN. Like... I was just over, I was falling over myself, laughing all over again. I was just like, "This works," because he knows what he was doing. Jujutsu didn't didn't really know what they were doing, but no. the mission with Kung Pao was a heck of a lot clearer. And oh my gosh, it's probably it's, my most quoted movie. Except I'm quoting it to myself, and nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. Bird, birdie. I've sung my kids the Neosporin song that the, <laughs> that the monk sings. No, 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 no. Neo, <laughs> na 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 na, swore in. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, the uh, the Facebook group that I have been around. So I, I joined Facebook back in two thousand and five, and the oldest, longest group that I have been in is called Petition to Persuade Steve Odenkirk to Make Kung Pao Two: Tongue of Fury, and that group is still active. And it's usually just somebody posts a line and then people just finish it. And so I posted one in there today, which was one that Wimp Low says, which is, I'm a man too, you know. I go pee-pee standing up. Like, we trained it like wrong. That. As a joke is something I talk about my kids all the time. No, you told me you were part of that Facebook group early on in knowing you. And that was a bonding moment between the two of us. Yes, yes. Kung Pao brings people together. <laughs> yay, yay. It's true. Ah. And I could gush about this movie for a long time. I mean, the only thing that feels dated, kind of, was the Matrix cow milk shooting bit, I suppose. You know, I love how dated it feels, though. Yes, I can agree with that. Um, the, the the CG baby fights oh, feels dated, right. too. I love it. I love it. And there were a couple scenes where you could see like where the head wasn't quite put on the body. But I kind right? of love that, but too. But I kind of love that, too. Yeah. 
And at the time, I didn't notice those. At the time, I only realized that's how he made the movie because they have a sizzle reel at the end that shows you how they made the movie. <laughs> yep, that's right. And they, uh, yeah, they give it all away too. I don't know if this. I think this movie might have broken even at the box office, but oh, the lines. My little brother. There's one that he likes to say to me randomly in conversation. Like he was just here last week. And Andrew, I know you're hearing this, but uh, when you we're talking about me driving to work, and you're like. Mm. And how far would you drive? Would you say 10 million? <laughs> like, no, not 10 million. <laughs> um, that sequence where that, it's like a minute after where he's just like, then he told me of the significance. It will be significant. And then he killed the dog. <laughs> I now officially know too much. And why are you in bed? Oh, but you won't even believe what happened. Yeah, I, I quote this movie like crazy. And the it's one, so good. The one gaming channel I watch, which is Game Grunts, they, Game Grumps, they quote it all the freaking time. Oh. Do you know the, uh, the role-playing game fiasco? It sounds familiar. I meant to play with you you're up here. Fiasco is a game where you basically roll a bunch of dice and you have a book and it gives you plot points that you can pick from based on the dice. And you role play a Coen Brothers movie where everything goes to hell. I have this heard of movie this. Okay. feels very much like that, where they were given these pieces and they had to figure out how to combine them together. And the delight of it is the fact that they don't quite all combine together. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. So I'm probably I didn't get to watch much of it. I watched some of it when we were talking about it, but I'm probably going to go down and watch it right now because. I need it in my life again. What, Fiasco or Kung Pao? A Kung Pao, Kung Pao. Fiasco's the game, but we'll do that we, we'll do that via Zoom. We can do that via Zoom. Let's do that sometime. Okay. That would be fun, yes. We could post it on we could do it on Facebook Live. That'd be a blast. If we we could absolutely it. record it. Yeah. There's podcasts where they play that, yeah. <laughs> I Yeah. Uh Jujitsu, it was a movie. I'm so glad we watched it and could talk about it. Kung Pao, watch Kung Pao. Yeah. Love Kung Pao. Love Kung it's, Pao. It's, it I, I will life. say this, and I'd like to get your take on this. Uh, my wife kind of looked over and she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, Kung Pao into the fist. She goes, this is culturally acceptable. Um, For 2002? Yeah, right, right, right. right. Think about it. Think about it. Well, huh. The thing is, is it may not be culturally acceptable for human beings. I don't know if it's, oh, I don't know. It should be. It's so dumb. Like, that's just it. It's so dumb. <laughs> right. It's, like, there's there comes a certain point where you're so, so dumb that I feel like you can't offend anybody. And this is so dumb. Yeah. Ah, watch it. it it's a, it'd be a great Thanksgiving movie. It is free on Prime. Yep. So that's, yep. that's definitely one way you could watch it. I still have the DVD of it. I remember, again, buying that at uh, Best Buy for $14.99 the Friday it came out. Which is absurd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's not for everybody. If you can't enjoy something that's really dumb, you're not going to like it. Yeah. And you'll probably judge us. But if you can enjoy something really dumb, you don't even have to spend fourteen ninety nine. It's free on Amazon Prime. Rent it if you don't have Amazon Prime. But you'll have Amazon Prime. Watch it. It's a good movie. There's a, a mo that, so with my dog at home, Oliver, one thing we like to say is, uh, you know, we ask him a question, then we speak for him. Cause that's, you know, that's how it works. You've seen frozen. Um, sure, sure, a, sure, there's, sure. A, there's a moment where we're like, Oliver, do you want to do this? And he goes, yeah, sure. Like we have him say, yeah, sure. All the time. I got that from this movie. 
<laughs> and it kind of morphed its own little way, and it was the inny mini miny mo. I wonder where my glove will go. Right before he says that line, the guy's like, "Yeah, sure." And so, when talking to my dog, that's what came out the first time we had a kind of back and forth, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's from Kung Pao." <laughs> For the record, the reason we're having this conversation at all is because yes. yesterday afternoon I sent Nick a message, <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I wonder where my glove will go. <laughs> yes, that is, that, I mean, that's 100% true. And then I thought like, oh my gosh, we could do like a B-movie battle episode. We need to record tomorrow. And that's how we're here with, uh, with. <laughs> and here we are. Here Joe, we are. Chosen one. Do I look all right? Yeah, sure. Uh, on a scale of one to ten. Uh, one. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia just line like quotes from this lo- from the movie, and I'm just cracking up all over again. It's a it's a guilty pleasure. It's a it's no, it's a guilt free pleasure. I have no guilt of it. I have no guilt with this. People will may judge us for it, but this is they're wrong. It's great. It's wonderful. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the thing is, Steve Odenkirk is a screenwriter and a director, and he has actually written uh, quite a few things that I think people would know. Uh, You mentioned the Thumb Nation stuff. Yeah. That was my introduction to him. Right, right. I believe he is the creator of Jimmy Neutron. I think that's what he's most known for. He did uh, the Barnyard movie and then the Barnyard show. The thumb stuff. Uh, he actually was on, he did who was a writer on in Living Color, with Jim Carrey way back in the day. Um, what else did he do? I mean, wrote he, Evan Al- he wrote Evan Almighty. He wrote Bruce Almighty. He wrote um, Nutty Professor Two. Patch Adams, as a matter of fact, which I did not know. Uh, both Ace Ventura's, or no, he was an executive consultant on the first one. He wrote the second one. Oh, he directed yeah. the second one. I have him listed as yes, director and writer of huh. Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls. I did not know that. Yeah, Nutty Professor. Oh, I remember seeing that in Illinois right before I moved. Woof, what a memory. Macho, <sighs> macho man. Look, here's the thing: the guy is not Martin Scorsese, but the beauty of it is he knows that too, and yes. that's why this movie works. Yeah, mm-hmm. couldn't agree more. So yeah, I, I you know, for eighth grade. For eighth graders, I highly recommend jujitsu. For everyone, and and I guess if you want to include it, well, I guess for eighth graders, does. I recommend Kung Pao Under the Fist. In fact, I'm recommending it to all the adults who want to recapture the feeling of being in eighth grade. <laughs> remember, remember when the girl shows up and uh, Kung Pao, he got his butt kicked, and she's like, "I am whoa," and he looks at her and just goes, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it'll just, it's, uh, it's one of those dumb movies that just make, it's like a, it's kind of like an airplane, kind of like, uh, um, Naked Gun, Wrongfully Accused, all those movies that I just adore that I grew up on, Hot Shots, Hot Shots Part 2, Spy Hard, it's a lot like that humor, um, slapstick nonsense, yeah, and I, you know, if you can find any joy in those, you'll enjoy this, I've easily watched this movie 30 times, easily 30 times, but, this time I caught something I never noticed before, which is there's a shot of a waterfall and the chosen one's going to fight Betty. Is this the whale? No, it's the Titanic. The Titanic. Something, I knew something falls <laughs> over the waterfall. Never, well, the whale goes down the waterfall, but the shot from looking down on the, looking down to the bottom of the waterfall, you see the Titanic in the water sunk under the waterfall. I never caught that before. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so uh, go watch Kung Pao. That's your homework, everybody. That's your homework. Please watch Kung Pao. And you know what? 
if it makes you not listen to us anymore, which it might, uh, we can live with that because at least you'll have seen Kung Pao. Yes, and you would be you will be a better person for watching Kung Pao into the fist. So, yes, yes. Uh, so transition. I wanted to follow from last time. I there was a book that I had forgotten uh, for the uh, what are you consuming right now? Media books, uh, comic books, all that stuff. What are you consuming right now? And I forgot the book that I said I was reading. The book was uh, Norm Macdonald's autobiography. Oh, I wanted to read that. Yeah, narrated by Norm. I don't know how to recommend it to anybody because I'll tell you this off. I'll tell you this off show. Like, there's a there's this long sequence in prison that is like, man, unnecessary for all the stuff that he goes into. But uh, it was it's like the first audio book in a long time. I just burst out laughing. I was laughing while listening to this book while walking my dog. I must have looked like an idiot. Oh, that sounds great. The, th- the thing about Norm Macdonald, and, and I know we're late to the Praise Norm show, but yes, he, he didn't care if you were offended by his jokes and stood by a joke that he knew was funny, even if you didn't. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that means some of his jokes are very offensive. Very, yeah. Work your way through it because the next one's going to be great. Yeah. So, so the book was uh, based on a true story. Um that was the book that I finished. Uh, what I'm reading right now is Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. I just I rented a bunch of his books from the library, and I'm not getting through like any of them. So I'm sure I'll be returning most of them. But uh, Cat's Cradle is very weird. I, I like Slaughterhouse-Five quite a bit. And this is that kind of writing style, but I'm not quite sure what the hell's going on. So we'll see about that one. Um, I'm doing this thing right now where I'm reading a poem every single day for the month of November. Which is awesome. Yeah, and it's it's been really great. So I'm 11 days in. I've done 11 straight poems. And uh, one of the gals, uh, Gigi, I don't know if you listen to this, Gigi, but you recommended a, a, a book. I'm going to try to make that like my 13, 14, and 15 and hopefully follow up with you on Monday. Um, somebody had me do The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot, so I got that from the library. Um, and there's a couple other ones, but I just, man, I really enjoy a good poem. And I really enjoy a bad poem too, but I really enjoy good poems, and I'm <laughs> – thoroughly enjoying all the recommendations that everybody has been giving me uh uh, charles bukowski i think is his last name holy crap man that guy just oh there's this youtube channel called red frost motivation i'm just like binging the hell out of it because it's a lot of poems and haikus and set to like very dramatic music with a lot of asmr kind of voices reading the poem to you and it's great and it's utterly great amazing that is what i'm consuming right now uh brenda what about you um, I'm I started with books. I'm reading a Thrawn novel that my wife bought me for Christmas last year, and it's been sitting there. And nice, you know, it's it's so it's the Thrawn origin story of Star Wars. And for if you don't know who Thrawn is, it it reads more like a Star Trek novel than a Star Wars novel, Ooh. and that's what I needed right now. You shared a, 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 a video a couple weeks ago about a couple days ago about Star Trek, and yeah. I've just been craving me some Star Trek. So even though it's Star Wars, it feels like Star Trek, and I'm having a great time. It works perfect for Thrawn, who he is as a character. He's more Star. He's yeah. more Trek than he is Wars. So. And this is early on in his career, where the the Chiss Ascendancy, the 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 organization he's from, is is kind of like isolated in space. So it's all just about getting on ships and seeing what's out there, and that's yeah, that's great. Awesome. Um, I had today off because it's Veterans Day, and so I did for the first time in years a double feature. I, I've been quarantined for three weeks due to COVID, and mm-hmm. I got the all clear, and I went and saw uh, James Bond, No Time to Die, and I saw The Eternals, and I had the best day possible. I had Hooray. such a great time. 
That's yeah. great to hear, man. Hot take on Eternals. Should I see it? Should I not see it? Well, let's, okay. Let's, so, okay. So here's the thing. Eternals, gorgeously shot, mm. beautifully acted. I mean, it was really well made. It was, um, the plot was fascinating and well constructed. The only criticism I have of Eternals is that I didn't enjoy a minute of it. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, right mid drink there. Whew. I, it's been a long time I've watched a movie where I couldn't tell you what I didn't like about it, but I didn't like it. Oh, man. Can you even think of a movie uh, that would relate to that experience? Yeah. I, the last time I felt this was the second Fantastic Beasts movie where it's like, man, this is a well-made movie. It's a shame I don't care about what happens to any of these characters. Oh, man. I still haven't I seen just that. <laughs> didn't feel anything. It's not any fun. And I kind of worry, like, I wonder if I would have enjoyed it more if it was not in the MCU. Like, if this was a separate thing where the tone, tone does not fit the MCU. And I feel like it may have broken the MCU. I don't know how, like, it, they went, let me put it this way. Thanos snapping half of the universe out of existence is small stakes compared to the, what this is. Oh not, not small stakes. Do do stake, I don't know. Like, the stakes is wrong. Those were big stakes, but it's like they inflated fast and hard with characters we don't know, and I frankly didn't care about. So, if I was going to rank it, I think we have now usurped Captain Marvel from the bottom of my MCU list. Hey! That said, and I said this about Captain Marvel too, there are way worse MCU movies that I enjoyed way more than this one, and that's wow. the issue. It's a well-made movie. It's just not any fun to watch. This makes my heart so happy because for any of you folks that remember, we had our our Oscar catch-up episode. I talked to you about Nomadland, and I really didn't know how to feel, but I loved how gorgeously shot it was, and the music was really right. good. Same director. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. I'll see it still. But- so James Bond, I had very low expectations for. I had I had precisely zero expectations for. I really, really liked that movie. Oh, cool. Great. I really enjoyed that movie. I think it's the second best Daniel Craig Bond oh. movie. Um, I think it's... I, I think it's better than um, Skyfall. Spectre, to me, is the worst one. Okay. I, uh, Casino Royale is the best Bond movie ever made. This is a worthy successor. In fact, in a lot of ways... Oh, Aside from the fact that Spectre sucks, it, the characters get set up for this movie, so it is important to understand this movie, but it felt more a direct sequel to Casino Royale than any of the others did. Interesting, because I, I really don't like Quantum of Solace, but... I don't mind Quantum of Solace. I'm, I know I'm the exception there, but... I had seen uh, Skyfall back uh, probably 2013, and I was passively watching it, so I don't remember, I don't remember like a second of it. Um, I just know it was Sam. Skyfall is very good. Yeah, I, I like Skyfall a lot. I, I I I was getting tired of the bad guy gets captured on purpose trope, which it played off. Yeah, but other than that, I like Skyfall a lot. Spectre, I never saw. The only thing I truly know about Spectre is that it's one of Radiohead's better songs, and that so Radiohead wrote the theme for Spectre. It got cut, and they did. I don't know that. Who was it? Not Adele. She did Skyfall. She did Skyfall. Quick, double check me who did the uh, Spectre theme song. Whoever got the Spectre theme song, they cut the Radiohead theme. 
which is like peak Radiohead. It's like, and I, it's a, that's a band that I I love quite a bit. Um, I think, and we're, we'll get, we'll have a day where we do a music gush. We're gonna try to figure out what opposite day is truly next year. But uh, <laughs> Kid A by Radiohead, and this is this is my whiteness coming out. I think it's the greatest album of all time. Um, and I have it on vinyl, and I have it on CD, and I bought the MP3s, and I love 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 that record. Um, so to hear their version, their take on Spectre, like belonged right in like a Kid A offshoot album, which is Sardines and something. Oh, what is it? The Leftovers one. Anyway, this is too music nerdy right now. But um, <laughs> that's all I know about Spectre is like Radiohead's cut theme is like an excellent, excellent Radiohead song. That's all I know about Spectre, and I couldn't tell you anything else. Yeah, I, I've had no desire to watch Spectre again. It felt like treading water. Um, so. I, no, no major spoilers. Well, to be fair, I can't believe I got this far without having uh, No Time to Die spoiled for me. I had Eternal spoiled for me three days after it came out in the, the headlines of the, my news feed. But I, I got to today with knowing nothing about this. Just to tease the beginning. The very beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a baby behind me. You can hear my baby, I'm sure. He's mm-hmm. a good guy. He's a good guy. He's tired. He's sleepy. That's all good. The beginning of this movie starts the exact same way um, with the love interest from the last movie as Casino Royale ends with uh, Vesper. So Eternals was spoiled. I knew everything going in, but interesting. I I didn't get this one spoiled at all. I will. One criticism I have of No Time to Die is the villain's kind of meh. He's just kind of there. But Uh at the end of the day, he's not that important. It is a very good story about James Bond and. And I strongly recommend it. I think it's a great. Isn't movie. that how you I would really, define really Rami Malek? Though he's just kind of there. <laughs> and and that was the reason I had low expectations of this movie because Rami Malek is just kind of there in my mind, a little overacting, a little I don't know. And but he didn't detract from it at all because it's just a really great Daniel Craig piece. Awesome. I do love me some Daniel Craig. Yeah. I think they just wrapped Knives Out too, which got me yes. all sorts of excited because it's Ryan Johnson. Absolutely. He did the last shot, and I love it. That's right. That's right. That's a good movie. It's a very, very good movie. And I was reminded of just how good it was because I was watching a critical video essay is trying to suggest that it wasn't a good movie. And I'm just like, dude, you got no argument here. You're arguing like oh, yeah, the best uh, scene in the film. Get Just get out. Yeah. Nope. Nothing. You got nothing. Got nothing. Yeah. I'll say this for the final follow up uh, since I love I love me some follow ups. And I'm going to post this in the show notes. I saw an amazing comedic short. Uh, for Antique Roadshow, where the guy brought in Chekhov's gun, and it might be <laughs> it might be my favorite short of the year, so I'll put that in the show notes. Please, but I want to see that. To follow up from the last episode, uh, I saw the thing, and holy crap, I love it. I get it. It filled me with dread and terror and horror. Everything that I was looking for on Halloween night, I got out of the thing. So, um, and we'll have a, a much longer discussion about this. But I think what I'm learning about horror again is the guy who knows nothing about horror and skipped horror all of his life. Uh, horror isn't afraid to explore deeper themes than most other flicks are because the theme about trust was so huge in the thing. And I couldn't walk away without wanting to write like an essay about it. So great flick. We'll talk about it another day, but uh, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, We got probably just one or two more to go before we're going to take a nice little two month break. uh, Lick our wounds, collect some thoughts, see some things and uh, gather some guests for season three. Trace. That's right. Well, Trace. this has been delightful. Let's find some more B-movies and watch them and talk about them, because that was fun. 
I think that's a great idea. And if you saw on our Facebook page, I asked you what's your favorite B-movie, uh, go ahead and answer that in the comments. And uh, if we love your comment, we'll talk about it on the show. So have yourself an yeah. amazing day, everybody, and we will see you in the next one. Bye, guys.